Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, you know, when I was 14 years old, I used to go past a shop in Cape Town, in Plain Street, an outfit, I can't remember their name, and I used to stop and look in the window, just 14 years old, and in the window was this leather jacket, plain jacket, three buttons, and I used to look at this jacket and drool over this jacket, and I came from a single parent home, so we couldn't afford a jacket like that, but I eventually said to my mom when we went shopping one day, please, will you come with me? And uh, I took her to the shop and I showed her the jacket. She went inside and she opened what's called a lay-by where you put money down, you put money down till eventually the jacket is paid and you get it. And so after a couple of months, I got this jacket and I put it on. It lifted my self-esteem. I almost felt James Bondish in this thing. You must remember it's all those years ago. I was just 14 years old and uh, I just loved this jacket. And I had it for one week when a friend of mine, a school friend of mine, asked me to lend it to him because he was going for an interview for a Saturday morning job. Well, I lent him the jacket and uh, he never returned it. So I went round to his uh, flats and I knocked on the door and he wouldn't come to the door. And uh, then I went back again. Finally, his mother came to the door and, and this went by, a couple of weeks went by and eventually his mother opened the door crack and said, no, he's not here. And, uh, and I said, well, I want my jacket. No, it's your jacket isn't here. He doesn't have your jacket. What do you mean your jacket? I went back again and his sister said, no, he's, he's not here anymore. He doesn't live here anymore. And he never came back to school. Well, I tell you what, eh? that ate away at me for years and years and years. I never forgot his name and I'm not gonna tell you. And I thought to myself, one day when I see that guy, anyway, I got saved and I gave my heart to Jesus and I forgave him as God has forgiven me and I let it go. And uh, I didn't forgive him because he was worthy of it. I forgave him so that I could set myself free from prison of unforgiveness. Because when you hold unforgiveness against anyone for a big thing or a small thing, you put yourself in a prison of unforgiveness. Now you may laugh over that silly leather jacket and I've got many more leather jackets now, but the things that get to us in life and really, really affect us and we carry them and we make ourselves prisoners of unforgiveness. C.S. Lewis once said this, he said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. You know, the truth about life is that sooner or later you will be hurt. Someone will do something to you out of selfishness or through political decree that will hurt you, that will require forgiveness from you. There's cheating today, lying, fraud, adultery, and we have people hurting us because they themselves have issues and brokenness. And so forgiveness can be a concept for us right now, maybe today. However, sooner or later, many of us are going to have to forgive because if we don't forgive, just like I did, you carry deep wounds and deep scars that end up affecting your life. You know, a lot of people get wounded inside and you can't see it, but it begins to be infected and they end up in a prison and in a place of unhappiness. So today I wanna to speak to you about breaking free from the prison of unforgiveness. Breaking free from the prison of unforgiveness. And as we kick off the message, I wanna give you eight ways that you can diagnose whether you're carrying unforgiveness or not. What are the symptoms or signs, maybe in your family or even friends, why they behave a certain way, but especially look at yourself today, diagnose yourself, eight things quickly, and then I'll give you four ways we can break free from a prison 
of unforgiveness. Here are some of the signs that you can see in yourself whether you haven't forgiven someone or not. Number one, we develop a habitual response of unforgiveness after being hurt. In other words, I'm never going to let you hurt me again. So I constantly respond with unforgiveness in order to protect myself. It's like a pattern that takes root. Secondly, we build walls around our hearts to protect us from further hurts. No one will do that to me again. And so we start to have a hardened heart or a barrier around our heart. Number three, we mistrust everyone around us. We find it very hard to trust people. We're very suspicious of people because I've been hurt before and I know what people can do. You know, we bumped into a lady walking her dogs the other day and you know what she said to us? I think I like dogs more than people. And it's because people have been hurt that they often say things like that and they mistrust people and they fear that people will hurt them again. Number four, we develop feelings of insecurity. This could happen to me again. I've got to protect myself. And so we feel insecure and we feel a fear when we interact with others. Number five, we become passive and develop a victim mentality. Oh, poor me. And you know what people even say? People are always hurting me. That's a clear sign you've not forgiven because you're carrying self-pity and a victim mentality. Number six, we become anxious and depressed. Maybe in lockdown you're anxious and depressed and you think it's because of lockdown, but it could be because of unforgiveness. And people don't find comfort in their lives even though they have all the comforts of life because they're carrying a deep inner infection from unforgiveness. Number seven, we find it hard to connect with God as our hearts are walled off. You see, if you shut yourself off from people and you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable and to feel, chances are that same thing can happen in your relationship with God and you find it difficult to connect with God. It's almost as though you feel God could hurt you too. And then number eight, we lack energy and motivation for life's challenges. I wonder if you can relate to that today. You feel drained. It's like life sucks the life out of you. And it could be because you've not forgiven and now you're in a prison of unforgiveness, but it's manifesting in certain behaviors. And you know, I found this is interesting. When you talk about unforgiveness, often people who are highly intelligent or educated kind of shrug it off because, no, I know, I'm, I'm a clever, reasonable person. I know the difference between right and wrong. And I found even highly intelligent, highly educated, highly successful people carry serious, serious unforgiveness and find themselves in a prison. Philip Yancey, the great author, recounts in one of his books a story where he shared a meal with two scientists from uh, the glass-enclosed biosphere that's in Tucson, Arizona. They built this biosphere with the entire infrastructure inside and uh, they put eight scientists inside and they told them, you're going to be in here for two years, you can't come out. They warned them, they explained all the rigors and uh, they were briefed about it and they were sealed off from the outside world for a two-year period. And uh, he says, as he chatted to these two scientists, they said that within a matter of months, they had split into two groups of four and a couple of months before they were let out, they stopped even speaking to each other. So here they are in this bubble, in this biosphere, separated by an invisible barrier, almost two separate groups, prisoners of unforgiveness. 
You know, he goes on to talk about another man who was a hostage in Lebanon, Frank Reed. And he says Frank Reed was a hostage. And uh, during his time, he had a disagreement with a fellow hostage. And so for several months before he was released, he never spoke to that hostage. Now he said, well, that's okay. He was chained to the man. And he didn't speak to him. So not only was he in a prison of unforgiveness, he was in a literal prison and it can happen to anybody. And we've got to guard against it because it's extremely damaging in our lives. So let me give you four things that we need to understand in order to break free from the prison of unforgiveness. Number one, are you ready? I think this is something you should write down. Forgiveness is the key, like a literal key, that releases us from a prison of unhappiness. Forgiveness is a key that releases us from a prison of unhappiness. Do you know a lot of people are unhappy and they think it's because they don't have enough money. They think it's because they married the wrong person. They think it's because they don't have the right make of car or they don't live in the right suburb or they're having challenges at work. But often the unhappiness is very deep seated and it's because of something that was done to them and it affects their entire lives. And when you forgive, suddenly it's like you turn the key in a door and you find a release. William Arthur Ward simply said this. He said, a life lived without forgiveness is a prison. And it's amazing when you forgive, it's like the doors of the prison swing open and you get set free. Now, on the whole subject of forgiveness, Matthew 18 is a very important uh, chapter. And uh, Peter comes to Jesus and speaks to Jesus about forgiveness and, and kind of mentions, man, I'm pretty good at this thing, uh, Jesus. You know, I, I've been doing pretty well. And I want to read to you what the scripture says here and we'll build a little bit because it's very important for us to see when we talk about a prison, what actually happens here. Now, in Matthew 18, Verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. In other words, man, I'm really generous. Because in the book of Amos, three times the rabbi said was, was, was pretty good. God would forgive a fourth time, which is incredible. But seven times, man, that's nearly double. And so Peter's volunteering, man, Lord, look at me. I, I, I've really raised the bar. And it goes on to say, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, this is the NIV translation. And uh, some translations say 70 times seven. You say, well, where does it get it wrong? Well, it wasn't meant to be an actual number. It was meant to be a figurative Jewish saying that meant innumerable times, a number that you couldn't count because 70 times seven is 490. And so it was more a saying than an actual number. And what Jesus was saying, man, this is very hard, but you have to do it innumerable times because it's not just about being kind. It's about becoming a prisoner or being free. And then Jesus goes on to explain and tell an important parable that many of us would know, some of us may have not heard. And he talks about a king who confronts a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. And the servant begged and pleaded because the master was going to sell his wife and his children. And so he begs and pleads with the king and the king lets him off the debt, shows him mercy and releases him. But the story goes on, Jesus says, that the servant goes out and he finds another servant who owes him 100 silver coins, 10,000 gold coins, 100 silver coins. He grabs him by the throat, it says, and he says, pay me what you owe. And the man says, I can't pay you. So he throws him into prison. 
Well, other servants see this happening and they go and tell the, the king, hey, that guy you forgave, he did this. And so the king calls the servant back and brings him in. And I want to read to you what Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, what he says about this issue. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Now notice this, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now here's the most profound statement Jesus made. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The King James uses a very strong word here in verse 34, and it says, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. So jailers who would torture him, King James says tormentors, actually a Greek word, bazanitso, uh, which means to, to really inflict punishment and to, and to really put you in a really, really bad place. And so God will do this to us when we don't forgive others. He'll hand us over and we'll find negative personal consequences occurring in our lives because we're in a prison now. We've been bound and things just keep going wrong. Things just keep going wrong. Maybe you've got some pain and suffering and hardship and anxiety in your life. It might not just be from stress or from COVID. It could be from serious unforgiveness. Maybe from when you grew up, from your parents. Sometimes we carry it from an early age. Maybe you were hurt by an uncle or abused by a relative. Maybe someone killed a relative of yours. Maybe it was unfair pol political situation. Maybe it was in business. You were defrauded. Maybe a family member. And now you're in this prison. You're tormented, you're being tortured, and you're in a prison of unforgiveness, and you and I have the key to let ourselves out. It's not up to God. It's actually up to us. Here's a truth I want to bring to you today. You will never find someone with both unforgiveness and inner peace in their lives. You only have inner peace when you have forgiveness and you release yourself from a prison. And today in adulthood, many of us are carrying things that we don't know why we're carrying them and what's going on in our lives, but it could be traced back because in our primary relationships, in our growing up years, there was something that happened and we didn't forgive and now it's put us into a prison. Someone who understands prisons is Nelson Mandela and he made a very interesting statement about prison when he came out. He says, when a deep injury is done to us, we never heal until we forgive. As I walked out of the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. You see, you can walk out of a literal prison, but still be in a prison because of unforgiveness. And many people are suffering and they have the key in their hands. It's a decision we have to make. You know, I read a fascinating story about a pastor, the late Pastor Walter Everett, and uh, an amazing thing happened to him. One night he got a phone call, picked up the phone, and on the other side of the phone, the voice said to him, Scott was murdered last night. Scott was his 24-year-old son who had been murdered by a friend. They had had an altercation, they'd been high on drugs, the friend pulled out a gun, pushed it under his throat, 
Well, he shot him outside in the passage and he said his anger and his hatred and resentment just built up in him. And then it got even worse because then when the trial was held, you know, the, the guy pleaded manslaughter. It was an accident and he got a, you know, and he only got a five-year sentence. And he said, he, said he just, it just became out of control. And I want to read to you what he recounts because he says it was like a violent riptide in him, growing worse and worse with every day. He says, my rage was affecting my entire life. How am I going to let go of this anger, I wondered. The answer came the first time I saw Mike Colucci, that's the man who killed his son, after almost a year after Scott's death. Mike stood in court prior to his sentencing and said he was truly sorry for what he had done. Three and a half weeks later, on the first anniversary of Scott's death, I wrote to Mike. I told him about my anger and I asked him some pointed questions. Then I wrote, having said all that, I want to thank you for what you said in court. And as hard as these words are for me to write, I forgive you. I wrote of God's love in Christ and invited Mike to write to me if he wished. Three weeks later, his letter arrived. He said that when he'd read my letter, he couldn't believe it. No one had ever said to him before, I forgive you. That night he knelt down beside his bunk and prayed for and received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Additional correspondence led to regular visits during which we had fellowship as believers together. Later, I spoke on behalf of Mike to the parole board and he was given an early release. Later that year, I officiated at Mike's wedding. You see, forgiveness can release you from a prison even when someone's murdered your own child. And Mike Carlucci, when asked about his early, early release, what do, you, what do you feel? Mike Carlucci actually said this. He said, it felt good, but I was already out of prison. God had set me free when I asked for his forgiveness. Can you see? He was still in prison, but he'd already been set free. And forgiveness does that. It did it to Pastor Walter Everett. It did it to Mike Carlucci. And one was freed emotionally. The other one was freed actually both emotionally and physically. And that's what happens when we forgive. The alternative is too horrendous to even contemplate. And some people end up living in absolute torture. Roberta Assagioli is an Italian psychologist. And he said, without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. Maybe you're living there today, and the solution to your deep injuries is not resentment and retaliation. It's not a clenched fist held up saying, I'll get them. And many people think that's noble and brave, and that's the way to respond to injustice and those who've hurt you. But actually, it's not a good thing. It's actually weakness to react like that. Machana Dulweo is a Canadian author, and he said an open heart has greater power than a clenched fist. We have the key. When we forgive, we unlock the prison of our own unhappiness, and we find a release in our spirits through Jesus Christ. Number two, the second thing today, in order to break free from a prison of resentment, is this. Forgiveness unlocks our blessings and breakthroughs. Many people are not experiencing the blessing and breakthroughs in their lives that they see in the word of God is because they haven't forgiven and as a result it puts them in a prison and it blocks God's blessing 
to their lives. You see, this is how it works. If you can't forgive, God can't bless. If you won't forgive, God won't bless. And this is shown in numerous passages of scripture where we read and we think it's just about behavior. No, it's actually about blessing and the release of God's favor over our lives. Notice here in Matthew chapter six, when Jesus is speaking on prayer, he's teaching the disciples on how to pray. They've asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And it says here, Jesus coming to this section of the prayer, we don't have time to read it all, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now notice Jesus elaborates. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. It's conditional. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. Now notice, this is an emphasis on asking for your needs. And Jesus is saying, if you're asking for blessing and breakthrough, yet you don't forgive others, not only are you in a prison, but you're blocking the breakthrough and blessing that you want to flow into your life. And I think we control the amount of blessing in our lives by our attitude of forgiveness. We can restrict the grace or we can open the floodgates of heaven by forgiveness. Notice in Luke chapter six and verse 37, forgive others and you will be forgiven. And then Jesus speaking further on says this, the amount you give, in other words, in forgiveness too, will determine the amount you get back. So we control the flow of favor through forgiveness. Even husbands are told that when they pray and are expecting blessing and breakthrough, if they don't forgive and treat their wives with respect, they block the blessing. Husbands in the same way, Peter says. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partners and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So if you treat people badly, if you have unforgiveness for every little thing that's done to you in the home, if you're harsh with others, if you don't care for relationships and you don't care about how people feel, you could be blocking your own blessing and your own breakthrough and you could be putting yourself in a prison of unhappiness. It's so important for us to see how Jesus speaks about this and how it's tied to the favor of God over our lives. You may remember a story where Jesus uh, came from Bethany one morning and he looked for some figs on a fig tree in Mark's gospel. And it says, in finding none, he cursed the fig tree. And then later they came back and as they came past the fig tree, the disciples noticed, gee, this, this fig tree has been withered from the root. And they were astounded and they pointed it out to Jesus. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus uses it as a lesson. And he says to the disciples, have faith in God. You saw what I did? Have faith in God. If you want breakthrough, if you want, if you want blessing, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now we often stop there because we say, wow, you've really got to believe if you want to see breakthrough. No, 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 that's only a part of it. Because he goes on to say, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours, but here's a but. He says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. 
If you want to see or do great things, it's not just faith in God's word. It's not just clinging to the promises. It's also having right relationships with others and extending forgiveness when you're praying for powerful things in your life. There's a but there that we have to take notice of. And you know, you'll never be able to move into your future. You'll never see the breakthroughs that God intends and your life can come to a complete halt. Many times someone's been hurt, people have been betrayed, that there's been a, there's been a business that's gone bang. Someone's done someone to someone in their family and their life at that point has stopped and they've remained a prisoner ever since, denied of blessing, denied of breakthroughs, and really forgiveness could have released them to go on. There's a new Netflix documentary that I watched this week and it's about the, the shuttle Challenger and it's called The Final Flight. And it's the story of how when Challenger took off in 1986 and that cold January and uh, 76 seconds later in the sky, it exploded killing all seven of the crew on board and at the time one of them was for the very first time a school teacher, not an astronaut and children were watching all over America and all over the world and it was a catastrophic event. And in the documentary, various members of the family are interviewed and a lady called June Scobie, who was the wife of uh, Dick Scobie, who was the commander of the actual Challenger, she was standing there and saw this and, and she went through a tremendous time of stress and, and pain and unforgiveness because as the, the inquiry into the explosion unfolded, they realized that NASA was trying to cover up and that they should never have let the shuttle take off in that cold weather because they were warned that there could be a catastrophic failure. And she says she struggled and struggled. It was hard to forgive people. And on and on it went. And she carried tremendous resentment. But eventually she came to the place where she forgave. And she wrote a book called Silver Linings. And in the write-up of the book, it says this. It is the story of a ragged teenager who struggles to overcome adversity. It is a story of courage, forgiveness, personal triumph, and dreams to soar above it all. You see, you can't go beyond and see blessing and breakthrough unless you deal with unforgiveness. She says in the actual documentary, uh, in being interviewed, she says, we need to forgive these people. We need to move on. You can't move forward in your life if you don't forgive. You're stuck in the place of anger and grief. You see, you don't see blessing and breakthrough because you get stuck at a certain point unless you release people, even if they don't say sorry, and I'll come to that in a moment, we have to let people go so that we can move on and we can move forward. Your blessing and breakthrough is dependent on your forgiveness. Number three, the third thing today, and this is very important to take note of, forgiveness is also a key to physical health. A lot of people are struggling with their health, and when they read about forgiveness in the Bible, they often think it's, oh, Paul is writing to us so that we can be nice people. No, no, he's writing to us so that we can be nice people, but he's actually writing this repeatedly by the Holy Spirit because it actually affects more than just being nice. It affects your entire human frame as well as your spirit. That's why we repeatedly read in the New Testament letters about forgiveness. Paul writing to the Ephesians, he says, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. 
In Colossians chapter 3, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we say, yeah, we've got to be nice people as Christians. Yes, we need to be, but it's much more than that. It's your entire well-being, your makeup, and your physical body. An author by the name of Robertson McCulkin wrote a book called Two Sides of Forgiveness. And in the book, he says, the sin of unforgiveness is a cancer that destroys relationships, eats away at one's own psyche, and worst of all, shuts us off from God's grace. You know, the Mayo Clinic did studies on people with deep resentment and unforgiveness, and they found that when, when they finally uh, get to a place where they can forgive others, they have lower stress hormones and the immune system gets stronger and even gastrointestinal pain is reduced. In fact, they list eight things that can happen when you forgive other people. Number one, healthier relationships. Number two, improved mental health. Number three, less anxiety, stress, and hostility. Number four, lower blood pressure. Are you taking blood pressure tablets? You're trying to uh, not eat salt? Maybe it's deeper than that. Number five, fewer symptoms of depression. See, depression's not just something you were born with. It could come from deep unforgiveness. Number six, a stronger immune system. Number seven, improved heart health. And number eight, improved self-esteem. You see, God's designed us a certain way that when we don't function according to the relational laws and the relational principles that he's put in place, we pay a price in our physical bodies. In a book called The Forgiveness Project by a man called Michael Barry, he says the stress of unforgiveness negatively affects the immune system. Forgiveness, on the other hand, has an immediate wholesome effect and long-term benefit in strengthening the immune system and positively affecting the healing process. They say that if your immune system is strong, chances of catching COVID or COVID knocking you down and killing you are less likely. So our immune system is extremely important. It's not just good to sanitize and wash our hands. Maybe it's to do what's going on inside us. And we need to forgive people because it can affect our physical health. Many of you would have read the Christian doctor, Dr. Don Colbert, written a number of amazing books. In his book called Deadly Emotions, he says this, he says that chronic anger uh, in the body has a steady drip of the hormone cortisol and this excessive presence of cortisol can cause the immune system to become confused and even attack itself. So unforgiveness is triggering. This has got nothing to do with viruses. This is all starting inside you where you're in a prison of unhappiness and you have the key to this. And he goes on to say the autoimmune diseases that people have is because of increased level of cortisol and leads to diabetes, weight gain, bone loss, impaired memory, and other health problems. You know, sometimes it's like you've got a wound in your soul And you need to expose that wound so it can be cleansed. And when you do, and when you bring that wound before the Lord, and when you let go of that unforgiveness, it's almost like you're allowing that to be disinfected 
so that you can be healed. And the inner wounds are just the same as the outer wounds. You know, if you've got a wound, you, you, if it's a very serious wound, you have to go to a doctor to have it dressed. And he cleans it out and he puts a fresh dressing on. And sometimes we need to go to God and we need to have our inner wounds dressed. Bruce Wilkerson in his book, The Freedom Factor, he wrote it with Mark Strong and Paul, Paul Pastor. And he says this, he says, when you completely forgive a person, all the proverbial dirt is cleansed from your wound. Once you've removed all of it, your heart will heal. You see, forgiveness is nice, but forgiveness is also good for you. And not only does it free you from a prison of unhappiness, but it releases the blessing of God, breakthroughs, and it's good for your physical health. Number four, and I'm gonna give you some practical steps here so we can apply this teaching today. Number four, forgiveness is a tough decision, not a tender emotion. Many people wait until the right moment, until the organ plays in a certain key, until they're in a church service where they're crying, and then they'll forgive. No, we need to sometimes do it in the cold light of day because it's more a tough decision than it is a tender emotion. And we need to make a decision to forgive because it's good for us and because it's God's will for our lives. Jesus didn't forgive us in a moment where he was in a good mood. If you think of how Jesus was crucified, for three years he was persecuted, falsely accused. They tried to trap him. Then they, they arrest him in the garden. They hold an illegal trial. They beat him and they whip him and they nail him to a cross and they mock and they spit at him. And then he hangs on the cross and, and you know, if it was me, I'd be hanging on the cross thinking, just wait till I come back. Just wait till the resurrection. You, that's what human nature's like. You, we, we would have, that stuff would have welled up in us like, a, like an absolute volcano. But Jesus hanging on the cross makes a tough decision rather than being in a tender mood. And I want to read to you what Jesus said on the cross in Luke chapter 23. Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And that's the kind of decision we need to make. Even when we're hurting, even when it's tough, we need to say, okay, I'm going to let go of this. And I want to give you six things quickly that you need to do. Because people always have excuses. Yes, but. Yes, but. I would forgive, but. Let me give you six things that you need to do. And I want to answer your buts today. Number one, forgive the person even if dead. So you say, well, I can't forgive the person who abused me as a child. I can't forgive that person who, who rendered me bankrupt and they were in a car accident. No, no, no. Forgive the person even if dead because it's not about them. It's about you. It's about you releasing yourself from a prison, not about them receiving something that you might think they don't deserve. Number two, forgive even if they don't apologize and say sorry. The people who crucified Jesus didn't apologize. He forgave them despite the fact that they weren't sorry because he said, you know what? They don't know what they're doing. And you need to forgive people even if they never ever say sorry to you. It's about you getting free. Number three, forgive even if you want nothing to do with the person. So, well, is that true forgiveness? Yes, well, maybe it's been so hurtful, you want nothing to do with them. That's the past. What about your future? You see, you need to consider your future when you forgive because you need to move forward into new things. Just like the lady whose husband was killed in the Challenger, she needed to move into a whole new season. She's remarried today, goes around speaking at different places, has written a book that would never have been possible if she didn't forgive. Bernard Meltzer said, when you forgive, you in no way change the past, 
but you sure do change the future. You see, it's not about them, it's about you. Number four, forgive even if they can't fix what's been done. You see, sometimes we want to forgive, but then they must fix it up. Maybe someone gave you AIDS. Well, you can't change that, it can't be reversed. We still have to forgive them and because it's not about them. It's actually about us. And we've got to move forward and get free. Igor Stravinsky, the great Russian composer and pianist, he said, sins cannot be undone, only forgiven. How true that is. Number five, forgive knowing they might hurt you again. You say, well, seriously? If you're married to someone who's hurt you, you need to forgive them. And even if you know they could hurt you again, don't keep count, 70 times seven. Now, let me just interject for a moment because you're saying, well, my husband has committed adultery, my wife has committed adultery several times. Sustained unfaithfulness is grounds for divorce. But if you are in a marriage that's difficult, let me speak to Christians today, and you just don't like some of the things your husband or wife does, you need to put up with them and you need to learn the grace of forgiveness because forgiveness is the glue that binds relationships together. And I'm so discouraged that so many Christians are getting divorced. You know what the reason is? The reason is they didn't marry the wrong person. It's often not this very serious cases. It's often that simple inability to forgive. David Augsburger wrote a book called Caring Enough to Forgive. And in the book, he, he says the forgiveness is a journey of many steps. But then the one step he says you have to have in this journey, he says you have to drop the demands for an ironclad guarantee of future behavior. Don't say, well, unless you guarantee me you'll never do this or say that again or, or, or do something in my kitchen or, or, or say something in front of other people, there can be no guarantee. We have to keep letting go, even knowing that we might be hurt again. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And number six, the last point, forgive even if it still means the relationship has to be terminated. Some relationships have to be terminated. If someone is beating you up, abusing you, uh, committing adultery, constantly being unfaithful, then maybe the relationship needs to end. However, it needs to end with you forgiving the person but moving on in your life. Otherwise, you'll be in a prison You'll block the blessing, it'll affect your health, and you will not be fulfilling the will of God. I love what Lewis B. Smeads, the professor of theology said. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. When we forgive, we get out of a prison of unhappiness, and forgiveness is an incredible key to be released into a new way of life. I'm gonna pray with you today and firstly, I wanna to speak to you if you're a Christian today and you need to forgive someone who's hurt you. You've gotta make a decision and you've gotta decide, this is what I'm gonna do. You say, well, you know, you, you have no idea what they've done to me. Well, C.S. Lewis summed it up well. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So don't make their sin so big that you can't forgive it. Say, Lord, you've forgiven the inexcusable in me. Today I make a decision and I release them. And I'd like you to, to actually maybe kneel down and pray. I'm not gonna do this with you right now because I'm gonna pray for another group of people in a moment. But I want you to go and sit down and pray. I 
forgive so-and-so. And I release them, Lord, today in your presence. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to get the breakthrough, to be freed from a prison of unhappiness, heal my body. You need to make the time to pray. This is not about a tender moment or a tender mood. This is a tough decision that could change your health, your future, and your freedom. Now, secondly today, if you're a person who's never received forgiveness, it's one thing to give forgiveness, but it's another thing to receive forgiveness. And to receive the forgiveness of God is a wonderful thing. It also frees you from a prison of sin. It frees you from condemnation. It frees you from aimlessness and purposelessness. And it gives you such a joy when you know my sins have been forgiven. I've been accepted. You know what it does in you? Not only does it free you, but it frees you to love others. And Jesus came that you might be forgiven, but you've got to receive his free gift of forgiveness. And in order to receive that, you also have to pray. It's a decision you make where you pray, Lord, today I receive your forgiveness. Change me and help me to forgive others. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is a wonderful thing. And the forgiveness of God is free. You don't deserve it and you can't earn it. And safe today, you want to receive Christ into your life and receive his awesome forgiveness. Let me pray with you. Father, I come to you today and I receive your forgiveness freely given through your son, Jesus Christ. I avail myself of the forgiveness of sins and confess my sins to you that I might shed them, that I might receive new life. Come into my life and make me new and enable me to forgive others and fill my heart with the love of God. I put my trust in you today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 